Hey everyone, welcome to our ninth episode of What's the Bible Say, where we share biblical answers to today's questions. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Rebecca. And today we're going to be looking at something that I'm really excited about because I did not grow up with this and I'm just learning about it. And I'm looking forward to our discussion and learning of things. And by the way, I'm talking about Advent, yes. which just started yesterday. And I would like us to talk about some questions like, how did Advent start? What is it? Why is it significant? What are some of the symbols mean? All of that kind of stuff. So I would love to know about that, Stephanie. So can you teach me? Well, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a little bit of a look at the start and the significance of okay, Advent. Good. And then, of course, we're going to answer the questions. What's the Bible say? Why it matters? And how we can apply it to our lives? Yes. Well, I do know that Advent means coming or arrival of something. I do know that. Yes. <laughs> and I read a really cool um, article by Ryan Reeves that reminds us that Advent actually has a double meaning. Oh. It's an article in the Gospel Coalition, and it's entitled The History of Advent. And he says it this way. Unlike modern Advent ceremonies, most celebrations of Advent in history had a twin focus. And then he went on to explain that Advent is a time when Christians look to Jesus's first and his second coming. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. So historically, Advent looked a little bit different. Okay. During the first two weeks, people would, Christians would focus in on preparing their hearts and their lives for the second coming of Christ. And they wow. did that through like personal reflection and repentance and confession of their sins to God. So they were looking for the first, I mean, the second coming of Christ wow. during the first two weeks because they didn't look to the first coming until the second two weeks. So mm -hmm. they spent the second two weeks on first coming as a baby in a manger to to come and die for our sins. And so in, in modern days, the focus really has shifted, hasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. now the focus is all about Jesus' first coming and in anticipation for Christmas Day. Yeah, because that's all I thought that it was. So that's cool. I learned something new today. And also, I do know this, that Advent starts the fourth Sunday before Christmas. Mm -hmm. So that's why it started yesterday. I do know that. Yes. And, and so Advent has been a common practice in liturgical church settings for centuries. Mm -hmm. In fact, it goes all the way back to like 380 A.D., but it has become more and more of a prominent celebration in the more modern evangelical churches within the last several decades. So yeah. it's, it's coming, you know, something that all Christians kind of celebrate. Yes, well, I have missed out on that, but um, who knows, maybe, maybe I won't always miss out on it. But, and I know that Advent is celebrated in different ways. Like I know I've seen Advent calendars, some of them yeah. are very secular commercial and then I do know also that there are some that are very Christ-centered about the real meaning of Christmas yeah but one of the symbols of Advent that I'm familiar with some is the wreath but tell us how how did the wreath come to be so the wreath has a very cool backstory it was in the early 1800s and I think it was 1839 when a Lutheran minister he okay. created a wreath out of a, a wagon wheel, like a cart, you know, wheel of a ah, cart. Okay. And he took 20 small red candles and he placed them around. And on the weekdays, one candle was lit at a time during okay. the weekdays. And then there were four white candles that he placed in the cart. And on Sundays, he okay. would write, he would light the, the white candles. And so, so oh, that's, wow. yeah. You know, this man, whoever he 
this is very inspiring to me because he had this idea, never been done mm. before, and and yet he saw it through and he went ahead and grabbed this congregation to do it with him. And I love how his creativity, think about it, his little idea is now something that we celebrate like worldwide, yes. right? Yes. Man, he's inspiring. Like if you have an idea out there, just go for it. Because you never know how God's going to use that idea in the future. Maybe it's just for you. And if it is, that's great. But who knows? God may use it to inspire the whole world. And actually to point people to Christ. I yeah. mean, literally, this has pointed people to Christ throughout the centuries that's since right. then. So that's right. it's really cool. And, and you know, through the years. We don't have the wagon wheel today. So No, we don't have a wagon wheel today. Yeah, it's changed. It's instead of a wagon wheel. They began to use branches um, from evergreen trees and make a wreath out of the branches instead. And instead of 24 candles, it's kind of consolidated down the five candles. The wreath represents the ending love of God and the eternal life that he offers us through Jesus Christ. Um, he came just to die for our sins. And so, you know, there are different Advent traditions around the world. But I would say probably the most common one is the green wreath and the five candles. Yeah, you know, I, I've seen that. I've seen the... There's four candles around and then one big one. And you're going to tell us, I think they're different colors. Too, yes, right? they are. The different they're different ones, colors. I know the one in the middle was white. Right. That is supposed to represent Christ, I think. And you're supposed to light one every week mm -hmm. before. So but what, how do the candles work? Okay, so the candles generally, like I said, different traditions. And sometimes people use more candles. But we're going to stick with the most yeah. common. <laughs> so the first candle is purple. And it's known as a prophecy candle. Okay. which is a candle of hope. And they all signify something, which is so super cool. And the second candle is purple as well. And it is the Bethlehem candle. And it signifies peace. You know, Jesus came to give us peace. And then the third candle, it's a rose, like a pink color candle. Oh, it's like different. <laughs> it sticks out. Um, it is a shepherd candle and it signifies okay. joy. And then um, the fourth candle is purple again. And it's the angel candle and it signifies love. And then there's the fifth candle, which is the, the middle white candle. And again, that represents the coming of Christ. And that's the candle that's lit on Christmas Day. So, you know, that's kind of, I guess, a, a wrap up or a sum up of Advent and how it came to be and the wreath and the candles Very and what they symbolize. But most of our time together, though, I'd love for us to look at what each candle represents. You know, let's, let's focus in on that, what the Bible says about it and why that matters and how we can apply it to our lives. But we're just going to do one, right? Right. We're not going to do all of them. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not going to go do, through all of them. We're just going to do one this week and then we'll go forward. So our first one, you said, was the hope candle. Yes, hope. So when you think about hope, kind of hard to grasp in, in a way because mm -hmm. it is so ethereal or it's not something tangible that yeah. I can hold on to. I can't touch it or see it. When you think of hope in terms of God, we know it's more than just a mere feeling. Mm -hmm. It is. It's more than a feeling. And the primary def definition in scripture for hope is actually expectation or to wait. You know, so in the terms of Advent, you are waiting or in expectation of the coming of the Lord. Yeah. And then, but there's another very, very powerful definition that's kind of incorporated into the original language. And it's, it's a cord. Really? A cord. Yeah. Like, like a string, wow. like a cord that you attach to. I didn't know that. And and years ago, it reminds me years ago, I um I went rock climbing. So <laughs> sounds like I, fun. <laughs> it was fun, but it was a pretty brave thing to do for a girl that's really super afraid of heights. 
but I went <laughs> yeah. and I, I was doing okay at first and I was climbing up the, the wall, you know, but at one point I could feel my, like I lost my grip and then my started to slip and I slipped away. And next thing I know, like I'm dangling in the air back and forth. I'm just hanging from a string. Right. And, and of course I was in panic mode because I I have never experienced that before. Hanging there afraid. And I realized that rope had me like, Mm -hmm. like I was safe because the the strength of that cord that was holding me or that rope that was holding me. And then I looked down and I saw the fellow that was holding me and he hadn't, he was paying attention. Nice. So he, he had his eye on me. He knew mm-hmm. like where I was and what was going on. Um, I suddenly started feeling safer, you know, yeah. but I still wasn't feeling completely safe because I was still away from that wall. And so he did what that rope was. He took that rope and he kind of navigated it in such a way that it helped me get back to the side where I could get my grip again. Oh, awesome. And I wasn't afraid anymore. That's- that reminds me of Hebrews chapter six, verse 19. And I'm going to read it in the Amplified version because I know you love the I Amplified version. I do love the Amplified version. <laughs> I know, I do too. It says this, this hope, this confident assurance we have as an anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. A safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, that most holy place in which the very presence of God Wow. And now you know why I love the Amplified. It is so rich and um, it expands our understanding of that one particular verse for sure. But you know, just as I could trust that rope that was holding me when I was dangling, and just as I could trust the one who was holding on to it, that he would not let go and that he had me and he he was able to help me get back so I could get my grip again. Mm. You and I can trust God to be that steadfast unbreakable rope as, as mm, Hebrews just told oh, us that bears you up in times when when in your life you feel like you've lost your grip you yeah. know and you can trust God not only to to be the cord that holds you but to be the one that holds the cord that's mm. holding you so my hope that moment was not in the wall that I was climbing my hope was not in my ability to climb the wall because I had none <laughs> my hope was not in how strong I was because I'm not a very strong girl although I want to be But my hope actually was cord and the one who was holding that cord, that that cord was reliable. The one holding that cord was reliable and nothing can break cord of hope and and nothing can cause him to lose his grip on us. He's paying attention. He hasn't lost us for even a second, you know, he knows what's going on in our life and when he needs to grab a hold. So what a great analogy. I just love that because we with God, He's got us, and, yes. and that means that we get to rest. And that reminds me, um, Ronnie always says, my husband Ronnie, <clears throat> his favorite like his life verse is Second Timothy one twelve b, and it says, "For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day." And Ronnie always says, "It's not what I do; it's what He's done." And it kind of goes along with your thing. It's not about what our strength is. It's about the strength of God and yeah. Jesus. And what a powerful illustration of a man who walks hope in his heart. Like it's yeah. a consistent reality for him. Right. And people that hope about having hope, but he yeah. has that hope. And, yes, he and we have that hope in Christ. Mm-hmm. And you know, there are a lot of <laughs> verses in scripture that talk about hope. And there, I know there's over 160 of them for sure. That's I think it's closer to 200. I'm going to look at a few. Um, not all 200. <laughs> yeah, not all of them. So Jeremiah, I think of Jeremiah 17, 7, where he said, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope or expectation 
is the Lord. Think about Isaiah, which is, if you've been in the word for long, this verse is going to sound familiar to you, and it may even be one of your favorites. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait or hope into the cord, Lord, will renew their strength. Mm -hmm. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Oh, yes. That is one of my favorites. Yeah, so, And then Paul said in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We might mm -hmm. have an expectation. We might have the strong cord that we can cling to and rely on. So I guess the question is, why does hope matter? <laughs> I'm going to answer my own question. It's because without, without hope, we don't have anything to cling to. We have, there's nothing absolute. But here's the crazy part. That's so unnecessary because that's the whole reason Jesus came. That's the whole reason that we light the hope candle because we don't have to live that way. Yeah, and, and I love that you said that's so unnecessary. God offers us hope through yeah. Jesus Christ. He is our hope. The Bible says we have a living hope. And so so I, it is unnecessary to live without hope. Just surrender your life to Jesus if you haven't done that today. Mm -hmm. But when you do have hope, it changes everything. Yes, it, it does. You yes. know some way, somehow, that things are going to get better. Mm -hmm. You know that there's purpose to the pain. You, you realize that there really is going to be light at the end of the tunnel and that somehow, some way, joy is going to come in the morning. Yeah. That's what hope looks like. That's that right. You have that. And, and I love this quote. And some people don't like it. And they're like, that's not true. But I think it is. It says, and if, you be, if you're a believer in Jesus. Now, actually, if you're not a believer in Jesus, then I, this would not be true for you. But it goes like this. The quote goes like this. In the end, everything will be okay. If it's not okay, then it's not the end. Because we know that in the end, everything is going to be okay. Maybe not here on this earth, but one day mm -hmm. it will. Yes. God will wipe away all tears from our eyes. How are we going to apply this to our lives? Um, during this Advent season, let's, let's just say three ways that we can okay. apply this to our life. Yeah. I think it's important that during Advent season, but really all through the year, we should push pause long enough to understand and to get to know this this God who sent his son that we anticipate is coming, you know, for Advent, who is our hope. He's our hope rope, you know, he's the one who, <laughs> who is holding on to the rope of our life. And, and he's very capable of being all we need and everything we need when we lose our grip and when we lose our footing in life. Listen, you may lose your grip. But God will never lose his grip on you. Oh, that's beautiful. It's not just beautiful. It's true. Yeah. And, and that's that. what gives us hope. Because that's we right. know. I love how you said push pause. I mean, that's right there is really important. But also, I think the second thing is to saturate your mind and your heart with scripture, with these quote scriptures, so that when you do feel like you're about to fall, you have something steadfast to rely on. My friend Ellen, I love, she always says, Rebecca, tuck in tight to Jesus. Yes. Well, the way you That's tuck good. in tight to Jesus is through his word and knowing him. Here, This is like super old school, but I've just recently started it again. Get you some three by five cards. There you go. Pick some verses, write them down, push pause long enough to write them down, and then just pick one a week and carry it around with you. 
And here's another idea of way of saturating your heart and your mind. Take a look at how you're going to decorate your house for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Is everything only going to be commercial or are there going to be things when someone walks in the door, when you walk in the door, you're going to be reminded about the real meaning that you're celebrating for Christmas. Yeah, I love that you talked about the three by five cards. I'm, I'm like, go old school because it's easy for us to maybe make a notation on our phones, but what happens is things pop up. And so we need to, yes, if you're going to push pause, you don't need a pop up to come up and kind of interrupt your train of thought when you're trying to focus in on scripture. So, right. so that, and all these were great ideas, decorating your home, you know, put Jesus all over the place and everywhere you turn, there's yeah. hope right in front of That's your right. face. And the other thing would be, we need to deal with our stinking thinking because let's face it, we all have a struggle with our, our minds and the thought life that we have. And let me tell you that confession, <laughs> confession time, this was me. I probably, you know, seven days ago or whatever, I, I just really, I started going down this downward destructive oh, wow. spiral of thoughts that were just, they were not helpful. They were destructive, like I said, but I'm telling you what, you you have to be relentless with your with your thoughts because think about this do you think for one minute that one second that the enemy wants you and me to live in hope absolutely he doesn't and one of his first ways he attacks us is with our mind so i love that stephanie deal with the stinking thinking yeah attacks us with those fiery darts which causes us to have wayward thoughts and, and destructive yes. thoughts like you said yeah. so we like you said have to be relentless um and Scripture tells us that we are to to take every thought captive to the obedience I of Christ. That, that we are to cast down imaginations and and everything that exalts mm -hmm. itself against the knowledge of God. Which means everything God has said to be true, everything that's true about who God is and who we are in Christ, anything that comes against that, anything that that comes against us, tries to to make us doubt what God says about who He is and, and who we are in Him mm -hmm. and what God's called us and equipped us to do. Cast that down. Get Amen. rid of it. He calls us to deal with our thoughts. And sometimes you really have to like, you know, pull in the reins of your mind and get, get a grip and get a control and choose what you're going to let your mind think on. That's important because we do have a choice. We do. And we have the power. Now, before we become Christians, we don't have that power. But afterwards, we have that power yeah. to control our thoughts and, and not allow ourselves to go down that deep dark tunnel of hopelessness and to choose what we're going to think about you know like philippians 4 8 and 9 i always tell everybody go ahead and make you a, a whatsoever list whether mm -hmm. things are good and lovely be anything virtuous or praiseworthy and there's more on that list so you might want to turn to philippians chapter 4 verses 8 and 9. make a list of those things because when you cast down imaginations your heart i mean your mind is like empty to be filled which the enemy is really ready to fill back up yes he is. so instead cast them down and fill them up with that whatsoever list the things that are good and lovely and virtuous and praiseworthy you know those are the things that you have to think about and and i remember when my mom passed away years ago mm -hmm. i i was in a, a really hard place you know had like i call them dark thoughts you know just really struggling and I went by the cemetery where she was buried and I wanted to go over there and kind of just hang out by her, her grave marker and just sit there for a little bit. Um, but I had a lot of things going on in my heart. I knew that if I went there physically, I would stay there emotionally. Yeah. And so sometimes you just have to make a choice. I'm not going there. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let myself, you know, just kind of park there on that thought or park mm -hmm. there with that emotion. That's and we good. need to choose our thoughts. And so we pray that this Advent mm -hmm. season, that you have a, a renewed sense of 
of hope because Jesus came not only to, to give us hope, he came to be our hope. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for joining us today on What's the Bible Say? We would love to connect with you on our Facebook page, which by the way, um, how about this? If you have some pictures of your home, how you're decorating for Advent or for um, Christmas or whatever, we would love to see those pictures. You can put them on our Facebook page. And of course, you can always find us at our website, which is whatsthebiblesay.org. And on there, there's all the links of other places you can find us, mm -hmm. how you can get to know us a little bit better. And we have free resources for you on there. And um, we would just love to connect with you. So please don't be a stranger. And until next time, just remember as Advent begins, if you know Christ, then you can know true hope. Hebrews 6, 19, let me leave you with this verse. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. So for me and Stephanie, have a very happy Hope Week.